listening to Say It Southern, aspiring to live not just as moms, but as modern Southern women, we began this project to hear from those who inspire us and recognize those who are achieving their own personal goals. Listen in as we celebrate the South and those who say it Southern. You know those moments when you read something really profound or your best friend says something that you're like, dang, that's really super wise. Or you watch a video on TikTok and you have like this aha moment or your pastor says something that just hits different. That's what this podcast did for Sarah and I this week. Leslie Simon is a past record executive. She was a radio promoter, a label head, living large in Nashville with the biggest names of country music. Yeah, Garth and Trisha, big. After a cancer diagnosis altered the journey of her life, it didn't alter her course of living a full, full life. And y'all, it's just, it, I can't forget it. I can't let it go. There's light in the darkness, and Leslie Simon is that light. I can't wait for you to hear this one. Leslie, we are so excited about having you on today. Um, Leslie Simon is a really good friend of Neely Butler, and that is how we kind of ran across each other. And Leslie, when we were doing our events on 30A, our getaway, honey, you and I just, we kept that phone line hot talking about all the things that we could do. So this is fun to be able to talk to you on Zoom for our podcast. It's so fun to be able to talk to y'all too. I'm sad I didn't, wasn't able to be with you at the event on 30A. Um, but I know it was fantastic and I'm so happy that Neely introduced us. I know she's so fantastic. Yes, too. She is. She's she fun to watch yeah. <laughs> yeah, on Instagram. Well, I mean, yeah. she just did a whole rebrand of Maria me and it is so beautiful. I mean, yeah. really the weddings that she's done in the last year, every one of them blows my mind. I'm like, how do you put all this together? Yeah, yeah. It's, the it's, flowers alone are <laughs> insane. <laughs> I mean, it's like she's designing an entire house every weekend. Yes, yes. I mean, uh-huh. just is it's really extraordinary, and she's such a great businesswoman. Um, really, a fantastic person for all of your listeners and and viewers to pay attention to and watch because mm-hmm. she really has created this business from scratch, and it's. She is the best at what she does. Yeah, yeah she is. She is. No I, doubt. I could go on, but it does seem like, too, she's got a really good team around her. Like, she's created oh. a really good team of people that Absolutely. work for her. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, that you know, they all just, it they collaborate so well together. And I think it's so important in business to make sure that you're surrounded by a collaborative group that all have really different specialties and you can really work together to build something special. And I think that's what she's been doing. So mm-hmm. yeah. Good people just attract good people. Yeah. Too. You know, yeah. I mean, and that's how we got to you, Leslie. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's from good people. So um we wanted to talk today a little bit about your unique job and your background and kind of all the things, all things Leslie Simon. So Let's start in the beginning. What to kind of tell us about your growing up and kind of what you aspired to be and how you got to the music industry. You know, I, I grew up in Montgomery, Alabama, a small little town in Alabama, even though it's the capital. And, you know, went to the University of Alabama, loved it. I knew I was going to study business and I ended up studying accounting because it kind of just clicked for me. Um, but by the time I was graduating from college, I was like, I don't want to be an accountant. Um, and I'd always really been just intrigued by the music industry, the entertainment industry. Um, and I loved music. Like I went to my first concert when I was seven years old. Um, so just, it was always such a part of my life, but right after college, I went to be a living nanny for a race car driver, which was so fun. And it really got me out of, I had never really spent a lot of time outside of Alabama. So it introduced me to this whole new world. And and while that was really sports marketing that I was involved in um, and was around, it showed me this world that was, you know, not a nine to five sitting in an office, but, you know, sports, music, entertainment, they all really are just kind of different um, spokes on the same wheel, if you know what I mean. They're, they're all very similar. So from there, I ended up 
moving to Nashville and um, had zero connections in the music business, but my family was all from there. And my uncle helped me get a job doing marketing for a temp agency. Um, And after a few months of that, I went to the owner and asked him if they would consider placing me at RCA um, record label at the time, because that was a client. And he said, yes. And so I started in the music business as a temp to the head of sales. And about two weeks into my temp position, I was hired to be his assistant. And um, that's how it all started. So the assistant at RCA Records. Uh-huh. For the head of For the sales. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they're different VPs that run Uh different divisions. Um, But I mean, getting into the music business, the very first thing I was exposed to was at the record label. Um, And that is, you know, really my career grew from there. But I went from being the assistant to the head of sales. Then I went to work for one of our artists, Mindy McCready. And I was her tour, first her assistant, then her tour manager. um, And then ended up eventually getting into promotion, which is the promotion team is who basically works a record to radio. So when you're hearing songs on the radio, when you see a song go to number one, that is not something that just happens. There are a team of people that um, at every label that are calling program directors and playing the music of their artists for program directors and trying to get that music played on the radio so that fans can become familiar with it. And, you know, for the longest time, that was the number one way to market an artist music and to let the fans know it was out there was getting it played on the radio. Now, we've obviously seen the industry change dramatically over the last, you know, five to 10 years. And, you know, back then when I started, there was no such thing as a streaming service. There was no Spotify um, good gracious, we barely had internet. I mean, I had to <laughs> download the sales reports and DOS programming, which is probably nobody even understands what that is. But I, it was a DOS program that I downloaded and then uploaded everything into an Excel spreadsheet. Um, so it was a lot of you know busy work when I was an assistant. But learning the promotion side of the business is really um, the foundation of of my career. And I started as a regional promotion person. So literally going to the different cities that I covered and visiting with different radio stations and playing the music and bringing the artist into those stations for interviews and, you know, shows and all of that. Um, And then I worked my way up into a national role and then into the VP role running the department. Um, And I was at, I spent few years at Capitol Records um, doing that on the pop side and then came back into country and spent 13 years at Arista Records um, and and ran that department for several years. I can't remember how many. So it was a lot of fun. So you're kind of like making people's careers, (laughs) like nationally. (laughs) Well, there is a, yeah, there there is definitely a team that you're, you know, your number one goal is to get the, that music heard by the most listeners. And that's, you know, getting number one records. That's mm-hmm. that's the scorecard that everybody, um, you know, wants where you want to win is to get that number one record. And also to have your label have um, as much of a market share of that airplay as possible. You want to get all of your artists played and heard. Um, And then, you know, the hope is that that then translates into people having passion for that music and going out and buying the music and buying tickets to go see the artist in concert. Um, It's like, I mean, listen, it it was absolutely an incredible um, way to be in business and to be involved in music when you have no musical talent of your own. I'm definitely the music, the business side of the music. Well, that's what I was going to say. Everybody has a skill set. So get in where you fit in, right? You do not want me to go sing to anybody. (laughs) Um, But the the business side was a lot, a lot of fun. Um, Did you enjoy touring? Like the tour manager, did you enjoy that role? I I mean, listen, when I did that, I was in my 20s. And so, I mean, I literally like walked out of my sorority house. And next thing I knew, I was backstage at shows and I was like I have no idea what I'm doing I I was real lucky to have um we were on tour at the time with Tim McGraw and with Alan Jackson and and both Tim and Alan had great 
tour managers who were so incredible and kind of took me under their wing and taught me how to do the job because, I mean, I was a kid. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, it was really fun. I mean, living out on the road is, um, there. it's a really interesting and special lifestyle that some people love. Um, I enjoyed it at that age, but it certainly wasn't something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. As much as I love being out and love, you know, going to shows, I also like coming home in between and, you know, having time with my family and and those kind of things. Um, I always say as exciting and fun as the music industry is, it's also a high burn job. For I sure. mean, you can get completely wrapped up and um, there's there's always something to do and you're traveling and you're tired. And even though you may be at a show and have a super late night, you know, you're still working. I mean, we were up at, you know, 6 a.m. And if we had a 6 a.m. flight, you're up at 4 a.m. And you're still having to work all day, you know, to keep all the balls in the air and then having to go to shows at night. So um, it was much easier when I was in my 20s and 30s than, you know, in my 40s and 50s. And so, yeah. um, you know, but, you know, luckily I was able to transition into different roles where I wasn't on the road quite as much um, as I was at the beginning of my career. So when you were at RCA and you you kind of, let's talk about your pop stint for just a minute. So when you went over to pop, who were you working with in, in the pop industry? So I was at Capital and right. in pop, you're, you're, you know, you're really working multiple formats. So, I mean, I had, I think, seven different formats. I've worked alternative, rock, um, hip hop, pop, adult contemporary. I mean, so I had all these AAA. So I had all these different formats and we had Coldplay, Jane's Addiction, Kylie Minogue, um, gosh, uh, for, I mean, Snoop Dogg for a minute, West Side Connection. I mean, just a real wide variety of artists. Um, Chingy, I don't know if y'all remember Chingy. Yes. <laughs> what did Chingy, he had that one song. Right there, right there. Right there. Um, I love it when you right did there. that right there. Holiday Inn. Yeah, so, um, you know, that's, that's how I worked on the pop side. And then when I came over to Arista, so Arista was one of the imprints under the RCA label group, which eventually became um, Sony, became the the main company. We were a BMG company, and then BMG and Sony merged. And um, so Arista was a part of Sony and still is a part of Sony. So I was at Arista for 13 years. And I mean, that was an extraordinary experience. I mean, I've, I've worked with Alan and Brooks and Dunn, um, Carrie Underwood, Brad Paisley, um, Cam, just, I mean, I really had uh, Jared Neiman, Keith Anderson, just a great group of, of artists um, who, you know, had great music and great songs. Um, a lot of my artists were also songwriters. And at the end of the day, you know, the real connection comes from putting the lyrics and the music together mm -hmm. in a way that, that really touches people. Um, so I was able to do that with some pretty special artists. On these big labels like this, how much are the artists involved? Like, you, you know, you mentioned Carrie Underwood, for example, Brooks and Dunn, They're, these are big names. So they yeah. have a whole team around them. So are you working directly with Carrie and Ronnie oh, yeah. Dunn or, you know, oh, yeah. absolutely. It, okay. Well, that's cool. I mean, that's good to know, too. Good to they're hear. All, I mean, they're all so involved in their careers. I mean, and they're also songwriters. So the music is, I mean, you know, they have a team of creative people that work with them on the music. But all of those artists were very involved in their careers. And I think that, I mean, if you think about it, an artist, you know, they really become a brand. Right. Um, yeah, they do. So, well, that's why I was kind of thinking that maybe the label kind of owns them as their brand and who they are. And they have um, to do what the brand, like you're going on tour, you're going to, you know, sing these you know, songs. And I'm sure it is like that in certain labels. I mean, I was lucky enough to work with Joe Galani, who was the um, chairman of Sony for years. And I mean, he's such an artist, um, an artist person. And so when you really looked at at how he ran the label, it was very, very collaborative with the artists, especially on the creative side. And then um, with Gary Overton after that, and then, you know, 
with Garth at Pearl and with Trisha at Gwendolyn. And so I've always worked in the capacity of the artist being very, I mean, the number one person in their career, yeah. um, which is a lot of fun. And, you know, on the promotion side, especially in country, it was a little different in pop than it is in country, but the country artists have always had great relationships with, um, with radio. And so very involved, very connected to the fan base through radio. So we were, you know, whenever there was a meet and greet backstage, we were, helping handle that with the artist team and um, introducing them to both fans who won contests and, you know, the programming team that were there. Um, so it was, it really is a, a bit of, it, it really was a bit of a partnership between the artist and radio. And you still see that some, there are just a lot of other partners too that are involved in introducing that music to the fans now through streaming services and, um, you know, all the ways now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of different ways to connect. Same process or, you know, same idea, just new process. Yeah. Remember when Napster came out and we all freaked out about Napster? Right. And now there's like so many more things to freak out about in the music I mean, industry. I remember when, you know, streaming started and people were like, what, sharing music on, you know, on a phone or a computer? What? I mean, it just didn't even seem real. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it didn't seem viable at first. And now, can you even imagine? I mean, there's are, you know, my stepchildren, I don't think that they own CDs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they listen solely to streamed music. Um, you know, they create playlists. They don't, they don't listen to terrestrial radio. I mean, to them, it's like foreign. I know it's crazy. We had a, we had somebody on here for a podcast one time, and we said, "So, what CDs in your CD player?" And he was like, "What's a CD player?" Yeah, yeah I don't I have the CD player. And we were like, "Right, right, right." Getting right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been really interesting to see it all evolve. Um, and you know, I think any artist who is going to make it to that kind of superstar level they have to be intimately involved with their career mm-hmm. um, because this, the only way that authenticity comes through is when it, I mean, what you're buying into is that connection that you have with them and with the music. And so if they're not involved and they're just coming out and performing the song that there's not a connection to the fans can feel that, you know, the yeah. audience can feel that. And um, that connection comes from, you know, feeling the the intimacy and the vulnerability that comes through great music and a great performance of great music, mm-hmm. whether well, it's recorded or live. Right. Well, you talked about, you mentioned Garth and Tricia, and so let's transition into that. So you've had this career, this big stint, and then how, how'd you get to Garth? So um, Garth and Trisha both had, um, they were on the RCA imprint of Sony for one project. So one album, they came in and and worked with the team there and I met them there. And then they decided to staff their own imprint. So they, Garth had his own imprint for ever. I mean, for a really long time. And they, he owns his own masters, which is not, normal um, for all artists. I think you've seen artists talk more about that, especially like as Taylor has released her version of all of the original albums. So she owns all of those masters. Well, Garth was one of the first artists to ever own his masters. So they were all housed in the imprint Pearl Records. But in um, 2016, he decided to fully staff that imprint. And um, that's when I went to work for him and Trisha. Trisha did the same. She had her imprint, Gwendolyn Records. And um, so I was part of the team that basically was the, the staff for their two imprints. So when, you know, the, the conversations first came up, Mandy McCormick, who um, works with Trisha um, and worked with Garth, she was the first person to come over on their team in marketing and um 
promotion capacity, working with radio and with them. She was helping them staff the imprint and came to me and just said, you know, we'd love to talk to you about coming over to Pearl. And I actually got to go up and see his first Ryman performance, mm-hmm. um, which was extraordinary. And, and Trisha performed with him. And um, I had seen him for the first time, actually, when he was on the RCA imprint. I saw him at in Birmingham um, and was just blown away. I could not believe I had never seen a GAR show before. And it was the two of them. It was on the world tour. It was absolutely one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. And so here we are, you know, two years later, and I go and see them at the Ryman. And I'm just, it was incredible. And I was really like, where do I sign up um, <laughs> from there? I mean, you know, he's one of the greatest artists of all time and, and the two of them, um, and she's one of the most incredible singers, um, I have ever had the joy of listening to. So getting to go be a part of their team was just, you know, it is kind of the end all be all for me. I mean, I feel like once I did that, I was, so I was the GM of their, had been the GM of their labels. It really was like, I've done everything that I ever wanted to do in this industry. Yeah. And, um, and it really was an extraordinary six years of, of doing that. Yeah. So you transitioned out of that role. Is that recent or is that? Yeah, so I'm really trying so, um, probably six or seven months after I started working with them. Um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2017. Um, I went through, I had a double mastectomy and four rounds of chemo and, and then I was great. I mean, and so we had, I really felt like I just started working for them when I was diagnosed, but I worked through everything, um, continued to work while I was going through treatment and in 2018, the beginning of 2018, I was in remission. Um, and really, we were just maintaining everything, but never, ever thought that I would have to deal with it again. I was kind of like, that's in my rear view. And it was, a, you know, as difficult as cancer is, I felt like I had um, really learned so much about life and living in that time. And, you know, we kind of went back to business as usual. And then the pandemic hits and, you know, our, our tours were postponed and all all that, but we kind of just kept working through it. And then in um, September of 2021, um, we found out my cancer was back. Um, It had mutated into triple negative breast cancer, which is an incredibly aggressive form of breast cancer. And I was stage four. And so that was um, really shocking, I think, for, you know, for me and also for everybody around me, my family, my friends, my my work family. Um, and, you know, Garth and Trisha, just as they did the first time, were whatever you need. They, they introduced me to some um, amazing people in the medical community. So I really feel like I have this extraordinary team of oncologists um, that work on my case with my doctor here in Birmingham. But I started uh, a pretty intense um, chemo. It's called adriamycin, and people call it red devil um, because it's actually red when it goes into your body. It has to go in via a port. Um, and it's a really tough chemo. So I did seven rounds of that and then moved on to um, an oral chemo that did not work. And I was on that for a couple of months when we really realized it wasn't working. And at that point, the cancer metastasized into my bones and into my brain. Mm -hmm. So um, it really was, so that was June of last year. And it really was just, um, you know, on the day that they told me it was in my brain, I had 11 lesions in my brain. and, And, you know, I just asked, very bluntly, what does this mean for my life expectancy? And they, you know, said, well, typically when it's metastasized into your brain, you have about two years left. And so that was, an, you know, a huge shock. But it also um, felt like I had really already processed the impact that the disease had on my life and kind of after it came back and it was, you know, I knew that I wasn't going to go into remission. I think I started to process 
my life ending earlier than, you know, you plan. Um, but I was not ready for two years. I mean, that, you know, right. if you think about how quickly, you know, the pandemic started three years ago and it feels like yesterday. So um, that was a big shock. Um, and it also just really changed how I looked at what I was doing with the rest of my life. And, um, and I had, you know, I'd, I'd already, we had all talked about kind of at the end of 2022, I knew I would start to, to transition out of the music business. Um, and this, that diagnosis of it in my brain really, I think just changed everything for me. Now I started a new treatment um, three days after that called in her Two, And it has been a game changer. Um, it has, we were down to just one lesion in my brain and one on my spine, which is just, you know, unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. A miracle. Miraculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I'm in treatment for the rest of my life. I have treatment on Monday and at every 21 days I go in and um, I go through chemo and I feel pretty crappy for, you know, four days. And then I, I start, you know, coming out of it and, and do other things. And so what's been really fun for me is as my life started to change through the so I really started to focus on, you know, what is it that I want to do that I haven't done? You know, what's exciting for me? What's fun? You know, what am I passionate about as a person that I've spent, you know, 20, almost 25 years in the music industry and your life and career is so busy. There was not much balance in my life in the music business. Music was my, you know, the industry was my life. Um, and I, my husband and I got married in 2014. And I mean, I was living, we were living in two different cities, just, you know, trying to keep everything together. So I started two businesses of my own in this, um, in this time window. And so I have a, a real estate business down in Florida. My husband and I have a house down there and it's really been the most incredible place in the world for me to go and recover from treatment. It gives me extraordinary balance. Um, and it is, it, it's the most healing place in the world for me. And then my, one of my best friends, who's an interior designer. I mean, we grew up together. We're really more like sisters. Um, she and I launched a design firm together in Florida. So we have a real estate division and a design business division of our company and that has been so fulfilling and so rewarding. And it's really fun to have to have that to put my attention on and that creative outlet um, in the two weeks that I feel good in between the treatments. So I typically have one week that I'm not really great and then two weeks that I feel good. And that's just kind of how I balance it. That's no slowing down. I, I thought when you were going to say, like, you know, I've got a new perspective. I'm backing out of the Started music industry. I, yes, I was thinking, you know, <laughs> the long walks on the beach, you know, just alone time, reading, whatever. But no, you're starting not one, but two new businesses. Yeah. And, <laughs> okay. you know, it's, it's one thing that I have discovered about myself in this process is I'm not good with downtime. Um, my husband told me I had about six months of my life that I did not work when I left Sony and before I went to work with Garth and Robert said, um, I don't care if you never work again in your life, but you can't organize another closet or drawer in our house. I mean, <laughs> really, none of us know where our things are. And I was like, you know, I have to be busy. Um, so it's just transitioning into something that really feels very whole and creative. And it's, I mean, I've always had a passion for it. And so being able to, you know, go into these beautiful homes and help people find, you know, whether it's their primary residence or, you know, a vacation home or an investment property, being able to go and see all these homes, but then also, you know, we'll do new construction projects with our real estate clients. So we'll sell somebody a house and it's under construction and then we'll go through the entire design process with them and, um, and help them, you know, create just a dream home. And Tyler's so good at that. You know, every interior designer has a different, um, style. 
And some of them really like to do their own thing and they want their mark on the house. And one thing that Tyler does really, really well is she works with clients to make the home feel like their home and have their personality in it. Um, and and she's you don't ever walk into different houses that she's designed and go, oh, this is a Tyler Colgan house. You walk in and you go, you know, this is Courtney's house. This is Sarah's house. And you feel that person's vibe in the house and it's makes it just really fun and again collaborative in a different way so I mean I I guess what I would say is the biggest perspective shift for me from the cancer journey was if you love something if you have a passion for something do it I mean why wait and you know one thing I really learned from both Garth and Trisha and all of the artists that I worked with is an artist isn't just a recording artist and they do nothing else most of them have other businesses and other things that they're passionate about and excited about. I mean, Trisha has a cooking show. She's a recording artist. You know, she tours. She has um, cookbooks. She has product lines at Williams-Sonoma. I mean, so she has all of these different things that she's passionate about and she does them all. And so why can't the rest of us do that? Um, we can. It's just a, it's a choice. And, um, and then, you you know, you have to learn how to balance your time and you have to learn how to balance all of the things that, you know, you love with your family and, and, you know, balance is the most important thing in all of our lives. I mean, anytime we're just headed in one direction and all of our attention is on one thing, I think that um, you're kind of missing what it's all about, mm-hmm. you know, not to get too esoteric, but I mean, it really is what is it that makes you happy? What makes you fulfilled? And go out and do those things. And it doesn't have to be in line, even though my entire career has been the music business, this is a creative outlet for me that is so fun. And, you know, as somebody who worked on deals all the time, you know, working on deals in real estate is um, very similar. Uh, It's just a different kind of a deal. Um, You know what I mean? And same with, you know, my creativity now is through projects, my own home projects and our clients' home projects. And that's really, really fun. I mean, just like listening to artists' new music and deciding how to market that was really fun at the time. This is what I'm really excited about now. Mm-hmm. You mentioned um, balance you know, gaining a new perspective on, on how to balance your life, being someone who is so busy. So what would you say to someone? I mean, I personally, I feel like I'm kind of running in different directions, but yet I have three girls. So help me kind of understand what you mean by balance, because I'm, <laughs> I need some help with that too. Yeah. So I, mean, I mean, we, all do. we kind of get caught up and, and, and it may be like you're, you're too focused on your children or, yeah. you know, it could go both ways. Well, I think first and foremost, you have to have Whatever your me time is, you have to schedule it into your day. I mean, I try to do that for myself in the morning. I work out. And if I'm too sick to work out, I walk, even if I can only walk around the block. I mean, I I have to do something to move my body. I mean, my two weeks that I feel good, I let, I have a, there's a treadformer class I do at the beach, which is 30 minutes on a treadmill and 30 minutes on the reformer. And I love it. And I feel so much better when I complete that. Meditation has been a really big part of my life since going through cancer. I mean, I, you've got to get present and in the present moment um, more than anything. And so I think for me, that's the number one thing in balance. And then also, I mean, little things like you know, and I'm not always good at this. My husband would laugh if he heard me say this, but putting your phone away when you're having a meal. I mean, you know, my husband and I are in different cities a lot. Um, We have the house in Florida and we have the house in Alabama. His company is based out of Alabama. My companies are based out of Florida. He has jobs in Florida. I have jobs in Alabama, but we tend to go our separate ways, you know, for a few days out of the week. And then we come back together on the weekends, but it's really important part of that balance is making that time that he and I have together just as much of a priority as, you know, my my businesses, making my time for myself as much of a priority as the time that we spend with our kids. Now, our kids are, my stepchildren are grown, they're in college. So um, 
being an empty nester gives you a little bit more time for that kind <laughs> yeah. of balance. I mean, I think y'all, y'all are in a little bit of a different position. Um, but it is really important to find that time for yourself, for your spouse, for your children, and for your job. And, you know, everybody does it differently. For me, it's important to schedule it because I've worked off of a calendar for so long that I have to see things scheduled in my calendar. And if I have to plan time in my calendar, you know, to spend focused on my husband, focused on our houses. Um, I mean, and on the business side, because my house is one of our projects, I mean, I have to be able to say, this is the time I'm focusing on my house, but this is the time that we're focusing on some of our other projects, our other clients. And this is the time that we're putting into the real estate side of it. So um, it's it's really planning and scheduling and and prioritizing, I think are really important. And, you know, one thing that I have just done for myself is there are certain things, I mean, how you feel is super important. I think that um, good positive energy attracts good positive energy. And so there's kind of what I look at every day, the things that are important for me in my life um, is joy, ease, like I have had times in my life that were so loaded with stress and worry that there was no ease in moving through my day. So joy, ease, flow. I mean, just being in flow when things are all kind of feel like they're just moving off of all cylinders. That's that's how you want to be functioning. Um, gratitude is a really, really important part of that positive energy and just surrounding yourself with love and making love the the core to what I'm doing, how I'm treating people, how, you know, every single aspect, I mean, whether it's the person that you meet in the grocery store, or, you know, it's your husband or, or kid, when even when you're frustrated with them, you got to have something at the core that is the basis for who you are. And so those, um, that for me, that's, that's, what I like try to go back to. And especially when, I mean, obviously I have, you know, bad days. We all have bad days, but when you're in that moment and you're in that funky spot, it's like, okay, if there's something I need to be learning from this, let me learn that right now. So we don't repeat this and let's get focused back into the present moment and going back to the things that are most important to me and how I'm living. And that's living in joy, ease, flow, positive energy, gratitude, and love. And that's kind of where I try to get myself back to. Well, I, I yeah. think you could start a new company in life coaching. You're a life coach, Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> You're a life coach. Sign us up. You had this amazing career. You were like, you know what? I really have every excuse in the world. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start two companies. And then I'm going to move into life coaching. <laughs> It's not with that next. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, I, I just, you slid, you slowed down to speed up, essentially. You know, it's like all of a sudden, everything kind of comes full fo- focus. And you're just like, yeah. nope, I mean, I'm, I'm going to make it count. There's really never a too late, I guess is what I'm saying. Oh, oh my gosh. I turned 50 last year. And, you know, I turned 50 about two weeks before we found out about the cancer in my brain. And I had already started the year last year when I found, so I found out, I guess, in December, I thought when I, when the cancer came back and I did the red devil, I was like, I'm going to do four rounds of this and then I'll be back in remission and life will get back. I'll lose my hair and then it'll grow back and everything will be back to normal. And I remember sitting in the doctor's office in December after my scans. And I went to go see a couple of other doctors, um, in addition to mine, just to talk about some of the other options. And when they told me, you're not going to go into remission, this is the rest of your life. You're in treatment for the rest of your life. I remember leaving and I had coffee with a dear friend of mine who I hadn't seen forever, who also happens to be a physician. And I I sat down to coffee and I just burst into tears. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know how I didn't understand that when I found out that it was back. I didn't comprehend that this is the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And so that was at the end of 2021. And I looked at Robert and I said, I want to travel. I want to spend this year doing bucket list things and 
boy, did we, I mean, (laughs) we went, you know, we started an ocean reef and then we went to St. Bart's and, and, um, I literally like made a list one day of every single place that I went to last year. I mean, I went to Ireland for the Garth shows. I went to, I remember that. Mm -hmm. I went, um, we did a, the Ritz yacht from Nice to Barcelona. Um, I mean, we went to the Hamptons. We did, I mean, just traveled by the time we got home from Europe the second time. I had, I literally got in at midnight on on a Sunday night and I had to be at the hospital at seven 30 for treatment um, with a bit of jet lag. I walked in and I looked at my doctor and I started crying and I was like, I can't, I just can't do it anymore. I can't do treatment anymore. I can't be sick anymore. I can't lose another week of my life. Mm. I'm done. And he, he honestly kind of, he had a little smile on his face and he said, I'm just relieved because I knew that you would eventually come to this understanding. I knew it's normal for you to have this breakdown. I didn't know it was going to take you this long. Because, <laughs> I mean, it was like 14 months after I was originally you know, diagnosed the second time. He was like, I'm just glad to know that you're experiencing this because this is part of it too and I got over that hump um and you know now we're really like okay I've learned how to manage this so you know I know that on Monday when I go into treatment I'm going to come home and I'm going to get in bed and I'm going to go to sleep and I'm going to sleep for a day and then I know that two days later when the new lasta gets into my body I'm going to be in extraordinary pain Mm. and I cannot plan to do anything on that day. I mean, I used to try to work through some of it. And now I'm like, nope, I just have to know that these three days are going to be really tough. And then on the fourth day, I start coming out of that fog, but I still have to listen to my body and pay attention to if I'm tired, you know, I have to make sure I'm hydrated. I mean, all of those kind of things that I used to ignore you know, when I wasn't feeling great. Now I'm like, nope, you know, I'm 50 years old. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I don't have a 25 year old body. I mean, I have a 50 year old body that has cancer and the side effects of, you know, 25 rounds of treatment. And now I have to, you know, do as much as I can, but also I can't judge myself if I can't finish my class, you know, if I, if I can't go out and, you know, I used to be a marathon runner and a half marathon runner. Okay, well, well, now I can do about three miles in a hit cl- class on the Peloton. And that's about, I mean, on the treadmill, that's about all I've got. But but that's okay. I mean, I you know, you learn how to adjust. And um, anyway, I think I started talking about my 50-year-old trips and and then it kind of morphed into into that. But you know, listen, you just, everybody has to learn how to adjust to the changes that happen in your life. And that's just part of living and experience. And, you know, for me, my journey happens to have a disease that is, you know, ultimately probably going to be what kills me. But if I can live up until that moment and, you know, make a little part of, you know, the world that I'm in better than what else, you know, that's all you can ask for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Oh, I love that. I know. Good so. gosh. Leslie, you are just so inspiring and extraordinary. Oh. And I mean, such a gift. You look amazing also. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. You're sweet. You're sweet. Well, I'm in my, um, I'm in my good week with Treatment Monday. This is my my healthiest best time um so I mean I feel I feel good I mean for the most part I always tell people I feel pretty normal I mean you know I'll say my memory is not what it used to be after write everything down and my husband's like honey you're 50 so a <laughs> yeah, lot of what the cancer that's just yeah. he's like, part of it is just being in your 50s yeah and I'm like no it's all the treatment and he's like nope <laughs> I don't know. You won't experience this either way. So, you know. Um, That's what my husband would be like. That's totally what Jason would be like. He would be like, nope, you're just not as flexible as you used to be. Right. I'd be like, this lesion on my spot. He's like, no. Nope. Mm-mm. That's being 50. Yeah. 
Yeah. But now this year, like after last year, all I wanted to do was travel. I traveled. Um, this year, I've told Robert, I mean, it's really about, for me, it's about having quality time with people. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, obviously we did that in our travels and our travels were with, you know, friends and it was amazing. Um, but this year I'm like, I really want to be present. I want to make sure that, um, you know, when whether it's a dinner with friends or, you know, the two of us on our walks, we go and do walks every weekend together. Um, I want to just be really present and, you know, um, one-on-one with people. I think there's, there's so much that you can learn from other people and just that connection relationships are really what it's, it's all about. Mm -hmm. Note to self. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Back to that life coaching. All right. <laughs> we our pencils are like on fire, melting. <laughs> Y'all are sweet. Y'all are sweet. Well, before we go, we always do a little popcorn round with our okay. guests where we just ask right. one quick questions and you just answer first thing that comes to your mind. Oh gosh. There's no right or wrong answer. <laughs> yeah. Letter rip, tater chip. Yeah. Um, okay. You mentioned your first concert. Who was your first concert? Sean Cassidy. Sean Cassidy is of the Cassidy's. Yeah, Sean Cassidy. He was a pop artist when my grandparents took me, and y'all, I put on a dress. I got like I was going to church. Bless. Well, I know you've seen a lot of artists, uh, probably everyone. um, But you were talking about bucket lists. So, if you could put an artist that you'd like to see in concert on that bucket list, who would it be? Gosh, that I haven't seen. Um, who have I not seen? Well, <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe let's include all the artists you've seen. Who yeah, would best be on show your of all best time. show? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, um, certainly Garth and Croke Park was one of the best shows I've ever seen. I mean, like I cried. Um, the other, the other, like right there with Garth and Croke Park was Bruce Springsteen on Broadway. Oh, all, yes. we were third row center and I was bald as I could be because it was right (laughs) at the end of treatment and I kid you not that man did the whole show to me or at least I felt like he did and at the end of the show my husband sat next to me and I had just tears and he's like why are you crying I was like I don't know I mean this was such a visceral experience it was truly one of the greatest shows that I've ever seen um seeing Trisha Yearwood do Let's Be Frank album, which is her um, really just gorgeous album of Frank Sinatra music at the Rainbow Room Mm. was one of the best shows I've ever seen. And then my husband and I went out to Desert Trip. Do y'all remember what people called Old Cella? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not Coachella. Yeah. 2016. I mean, it was... The Rolling Stones, um, The Who, uh, God, who all did I see? It, it was just at Paul McCartney. I mean, it was in- extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, just seeing all these amazing artists together. And I, you know, listen, I, I grew up on classic rock and roll. I mean, give me some Fleetwood Mac and and I'm super, <laughs> super happy. That's my band. That is on your t-shirt. No, this is Led Zeppelin. Okay. Fleetwood Mac is my band. (laughs) Yes. I mean, love them. But then I also love Taylor. I mean, you know, we're going to see Taylor in in April and I cannot wait. I mean, you know, when Folklore came out, that was like, that's all I listened to for, I I swear, like six months. I feel like I listened to that album on repeat. Mm -hmm. So I have a, I have a, um, very wide variety of music I listen to. And my husband likes to go see live music even more than I do. So um, we're constantly going to shows. I love that. Yeah. Well, yeah. you keep talking about Trisha Yearwood and it is lunchtime yeah. and I do love her recipes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure. hungry. The best. So, tell me, I know she's cooked for you. What is her best dish that you've had? Well, you know, I don't know that I could actually say what the best dish is, but there's a chicken casserole that she cooked for me when I was after treatment one time. And when I tell you, like, I don't do a lot of casseroles. This was like crack. 
It was hmm. so good. Love a um, I love a casserole. Yes. Casserole. Um, and I don't remember the exact name of it, but Sarah, I will send you the recipe. It okay. is in the cookbook. I mean, so, so good. And then she also, her desserts are like enough to just slap your mama. They, uh-huh. they are absolutely amazing. Her I cakes. Love too. Goodness. Oh, you do. Love I love Trisha Yearwood. Sarah's an old soul. She's an old country soul. I am. Well, she, uh, I love the 90s. The mm-hmm. 90s country, the late 80s. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, Walk Away Joe is one of my all-time favorites. Uh, ever. Ever. Yes. yes. <laughs> I think I cry every time she sings it. I was going to say, I still cry. I'm like, I know how it's going to end. I know what the song is going to I feel every time. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, uh, no, I'm going to look up. Yeah, send me that recipe. <laughs> I will. It's so Take good. It. Oh, my it. gosh. I love it. Okay, so what's the next steps for you? You've got your business. You've got your now life coach. What what <laughs> else can we expect? I'm actually going to be up in Nashville for CRS, um, which is the big country radio seminar. So I'm, I'm still on the board for that, and I'm speaking at that. So I'll be up there next month. Um, I'm headed back down to Florida after treatment next week um, for some work both in all of the businesses. Uh, I've got real estate clients down there and I've got um, design clients that we're working on. So, um, and then, you know, we'll still continue to travel, not as much as last year, but um, my husband and I have a couple of trips coming up. We, we go to Palm desert every year and just love it out there. So we're headed that way next month. And then my stepson is actually graduating from college this mm-hmm. year, which is hard to believe. So um, we'll be headed out to Portland, Oregon, for his college graduation, but, you know, just keeping busy and then also keeping that balance going. That's awesome. Busy with balance. That's it. That's it. <laughs> That's exactly. it. Yeah. Exactly. Well, we loved talking with you today. I mean, oh, such, thank you. I needed, um, such a needed experience. Yeah. It was an experience. It wasn't even just like an interview. Yeah. It was an experience. Well, y'all are so sweet. I just absolutely love talking to you both and and love hearing about what y'all are doing and um, how y'all juggle your families, your businesses, your podcast, everything. It's it's very very impressive. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> back at you, yeah, for sure. Yeah, man, unbelievable. Well, thanks for doing this today with us. Oh, girls, you're so welcome. Thank you well, for having me. I really really appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye. Guess what just happened. <laughs> world world just got my stitches out just got the stitches out yes. at the kitchen table at the kitchen table dr jason mm-hmm. courtney's husband mm-hmm. took the stitches out <sighs> a lot of a lot of family practice happens around the kitchen <laughs> dinner table i'll be honest i mean he's seen more people with sewing up hands and legs and a fish hook in oh. hands i mean crazy things mm-hmm. and for you i mean he's loaded the car for you yes, he's he done has. he's checked your oil i'm sure but never taking stitches never taking out stitches out it's yeah. the first time i've had stitches taken out Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was really nervous. Yeah. You're a very good assistant, by the way. Thank you. You talked the whole time. Mm-hmm. You held that light uh-huh. very well. Tried to change the subject, uh-huh. but obviously not in, not try to be too obvious. You found a stitch that Jason missed. Yes. Let's say that, Nurse, uh-huh. nurse yes. Courtney. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> it would have dissolved, but yes. So, but I feel like this is the end. This is the <sighs> end of the whole surgery, the whole Mose the whole everything basal yeah. cell, but you know I've had people tell me that they they just went to their doctor because of it. They found a spot and they're like, I had an appointment. I saw you and I was like, oh, this might be the same thing Sarah had. So yeah. glad to glad it's behind me and I'm glad uh, to share my story. But that's the thing though. I mean, we have to talk about things like yes. this. I mean, yes. because people will use that to go and mm-hmm. you know whatever. Have your dermatologist check you. Have a colonoscopy. Go mm-hmm. see your OBGYN. Like all the things that we talk about. Yeah. You've got to be proactive about. Yeah. Exactly. You know? I mean, and, and this is just a little thing. I know. But you know, it's a little thing, but yet it's something that you must do to care yeah. for yourself. Yes. And then after talking to Leslie, oh. I mean, just put the whole thing in perspective. It like, really did. Life is so short. Take care of yourself. Take care of your people. Yeah. Love the ones you're with. Yeah. You know, I mean, just the whole thing. The whole mamma jamma. And go, and go the whole way. You know, yes. I mean, it's just like we got off of the podcast with her, and there's only been a handful of these mm-hmm. when we just kind of sit in silence for a few minutes. Yep. Because we have to process, like, what 
we went through, you know? Mm-hmm. We have to process everything that we just heard, and I, I can't even put it into words. Well, it is just a reminder that, I don't know, do the best with what you got, the time that you have. It's yeah. short. It's not guaranteed. Tomorrow yeah. is not guaranteed. Yeah. I actually, this is so crazy. I just thought of this. So my friend Heather in Nashville went to Atlanta for a friend of hers' mother who passed away. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, you first of all, you went all the way to Atlanta for a friend that she didn't even know the mother, really, you know? Anyway, that's a good friend. That's a you, Courtney. Yeah, you gotta um, do that. That is so. not a Sarah move. <laughs> but anyway, you hear that, friends? Anyway, um, she shared the obituary with me because mm. she was talking about this woman's life and what a great life she had led and travel and this and that. And after I read it, I wrote back to Courtney and I said, "The feeling that I have after reading that is exactly how I want people to feel when they read my obituary." Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I read that like. Oh my gosh, like what a fabulous life. Just a full Full life. life. Talked about her children and her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren. She traveled all over the world. She was remembered at her country club because she wore these turbans and these big sunglasses and Mm -hmm. everyone loved her. Yeah. Um, The whole staff, she said at the reception afterwards, they were all wearing the big sunglasses in honor of her. Cute. And she was um, um, like on the ballet, the um, arts, the the board. Mm -hmm. I mean, just all these things that she, you know, worked for and she was an attorney. I mean, just, like you said, like a full life. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. And I was like, dang, she did a lot. Yeah. What a wonderful life. Yeah. Um, and then died peacefully at her home. Yeah. I mean. Dear Lord, <laughs> if you're up there, Jesus. Jesus. hope you're listening. <laughs> um, no, really. I mean, it's it's just, I stand in awe of people like that, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, what am I complaining about? Right. You know what yes. I'm saying? Like, it. Sometimes I'm just like, one little thing can get me down, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, drink your juice, Shelby. It sends you in the bed, puts you in the bed. But I'm like, no, mm-hmm. stop it. Yeah. I mean, it's like a it's like a Godsmack, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you get one shot, full throttle, all gas, no brakes, let's go, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. I really liked what Leslie said, too, about being um, busy but balanced. Yes. Because that's... That's me. That's what I, I'm like Leslie in the sense that I don't want anything to bring me down. Like, it's not going to hold me down. Like, she's saying she's down for a couple days, but she's got to stay busy. Yeah. Oh, I get that. And that's me. Like, I I got to keep moving. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't do well with the balance part of it. Yeah. And yeah. that's what I'm going to take from this episode. Mm-hmm. Be busy. I can still be busy, but I need to find balance in my life. Yeah. I feel like you... I'm saying this with love. Mm -hmm. Okay, bring it on. I feel like you see your days and almost like whatever, whatever you're, I just feel like you're always working on something, you know, like it's all like you have a to-do list, like you wake up and you think school, lunches, wash hair, get ready, in the car, drop off, 20 minutes, coffee, work, (laughs) work till lunch, move my car every two hours because they're handing out tickets, Yeah, come back, a little bit more work. You know, community cafe, have some soup, back. You know, oh my gosh, yes. Am I saying your day? You're saying my you day. Come home, <laughs> and then depending on what child calls you with something from school, which mm-hmm. usually happens, your practice, drop bags, homework, turkey goulash, or whatever you're making for the <laughs> for pizza roll ups, film that, yeah. take that down. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And then you put everybody in bed, and I don't even and know. I'm exhausted. Do you drink a glass of wine? No. Do you watch TV? No. Do you do anything? I don't do anything. I go to bed because I'm exhausted. Yeah. But I've checked everything off my list. Yeah. That's a horrible way to live. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a horrible. We got to get Kim when Swells. <laughs> we got 911, Kim Swells. 911, we're in the red. Now, I know but what you're saying. But when you say it like that, I mean, think about that. That's awful. Like I didn't stop to do one thing really for myself that you might have enjoyed day. your lunch. Maybe, yeah, yeah. But I usually get it and take it back to my office. Oh god, yeah, no. <laughs> uh yeah. I gotta find some more balance. I, I don't think I'm a very good. I think I'm a good friend, mm-hmm. but I don't think I'm good about time with friends. I would Does that make sense? That. Yes. So that's what after talking with, or you know talking with Leslie, I really want to find more balance there. Mm-hmm. Kind of more me time, mm-hmm. friend time, mm-hmm. to be a better friend to people. But I'll tell you what, though, because that is something I'm a I'm an investor of people. Mm-hmm. I, I, but I got to give it to get it back too. Yes. You know, yeah. like I need it as much as I give it. Mm-hmm. And you know about ba- balance that just kind of makes gives me a migraine when I think about it because I'm like, 
How do you find something when you're involved in so many things and invested in so many things? Something's always suffering. Right. So that's where my guilt and that suffering comes in. And that's where, you know, my best friend Mandy always says, you can't be all the things to all the people. Mm -hmm. And I can't be. And so then I feel like I'm limiting. I don't say yes to things unless I'm 100%. But then, which has been something in my, feel like, in my 40s as I'm growing, I'm learning to say no. Yes, you are getting so much better about saying no. I do have to say that about That's you. used to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. You overcommit. I, yes. And it stresses you out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I, you know, and I'm a pleaser. Mm -hmm. And I want everyone to be pleased with yes. my performance. I'm a performer and I please her. Mm -hmm. And that's a deadly combo. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, in the same way, you know, it's, it's just kind of like you've got to find balance in the busy is mm -hmm. what I think. Yeah. It's like in the middle of whatever your to-do list, my 75 fires that I've got an iron in, mm -hmm. um, there has to be... For you, it's making time for you. Mm -hmm. And for me, I don't even know. It's accomplishing the things that I set out to accomplish because I don't feel worthy unless I've accomplished the things. Yeah. And a lot of times I have too many things to accomplish anything mm -hmm. or only a handful of them. But I feel like you also need your downtime. I do. Like, if you get too busy, you don't do well. No. Like, you need your moment. You yeah. need your mm -hmm. time in the bed. I'll never forget that at our getaway. I guess it was, like, two years ago. <laughs> y'all, <laughs> yeah. Courtney. We had been going, going, going. I think Everything I was, like... Everything was hitting the fan, y'all. I can't even tell you. Venues canceling, <laughs> catering canceling, an expense we didn't know about popped up out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. And Courtney looks at me, and she said, I'm just going to get in the bed. And I was like... I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're gonna get in the bed. I was like 20 minutes. <laughs> she puts that eye mask on. Got under the cover. Under the covers. Yes. Took off all her clothes. <laughs> under the covers. And I'm, I'm like, over there like, what? I'm what? like, don't speak to me. <laughs> do not. Do not come in here. Shut the. Shut. Shh. Shut the door. I'm like, okay. Well, I'm gonna go pack bags or something. I want to do something. <laughs> 20 minutes later, she arises, fresh as a daisy, fresh, ready to go. Just had to get centered. Yes. Had to get That's centered. That's your balance. Yeah, it is. I guess you're right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also go to therapy, Jessica. Somebody <laughs> needed that. I have an active therapist. So I need that too, though. You mm -hmm. know, I need that mind. That's what it is for me. The mind has to empty for me to like regain my center and then go, okay, let's let's All right. hammer it out. Next task. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like when we do these, when we do these uh, web series, we used to stay together in the rooms. And then I could really tell Sarah was like, I'm going to need my own room. And, but it's good though. Cause we like, that is just so much talking and prep mm -hmm. and run it again, run it again, run it again. By the time that we get to our own rooms, it's just like no talking. No, mm -mm. we do our face masks. Yes. And then I'm like, see you in the morning. Mm -hmm. You got to go. Yeah. It was fun last time too when we did our thing. We had all that pimento cheese and all that food from Elizabeth yes, High School. That delicious. was delicious. That was I know, fun. That was fun. Oh, the Good, times. Good times. I will tell you though, like something that I feel like that has been a new gift, I guess, for me this year is um, book club. Mm -hmm. I've never done anything like this before. You know, like yeah. I feel like normally, like my girl time is like let's run to you know happy hour and dinner or whatever, just yeah. whatever celebrate somebody's birthday. Like right. There always has an to be an occasion right. and an excuse, mm -hmm. yes, mm -hmm. to get together. But this is like, one thing I love to do is read books. You know, you do not. I love to read books, take baths, <laughs> long walks on the beach. Um, but there are a few, there are several like-minded friends, obviously, that love to read books. And so um, my friend Sarah, our friend Sarah, got it together. And she was like, now, are you a reader? I'm like, yeah, yes, I'm a reader. Because we had read several of the same things. Uh -huh. And, but it's very organized. Like, it's a whole, you're divided into teams. And then th that team of three come up with the books that you read. Then you all vote on what book. And then it's your, up to your team to have the club so okay. like the other night I had the club and it, and I did it Galentine's theme because it was the day after Valentine's and so the girls we helped get pizza and get drinks together and then you have to do the discussion and it sounds so what are you discussing real quick like the book you just talk about like let's start chapter one no it's like, just like would you like how did you think you Andrew think? felt like okay the, like yeah. the women in the book like he wanted his wife to wear white all the time so we told everybody to dress in white Oh, and we, oh, that's and, uh, fun. Yeah, Sarah was like, Andrew requests your presence in white. 
Yeah, she made up this big poem and sent it to everybody and see you tonight dressed in white, all this stuff. Oh, that sounds fun. Uh-huh. Can and I come, so, even though I don't read the book? No, because then you'll have nothing to say. You're not of okay. use to us. You're not of use. You have to commit to read the book. Okay. And then it's like questions, like, what would you have done in that situation? Mm-hmm. Or what did you think he thought when this happened? What was the yeah. biggest plot twist for you? And it's fun. That I mean, is fun. And it's just discussing something that makes you use a different part of your brain other than school husbands, money, mm-hmm. house. You know what I'm saying? Yes, like yes. it's a new the topic. Uh-huh. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that's been kind of like a, I don't know, like a a backdoor blessing. That's good. Well, I'm I glad know. to hear that, Courtney. So I'm just saying, get out of your comfort zone sometimes, yeah. you know, with yeah. things like that. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, this was a good one. It was a good one. I needed this. I needed this. I'm going to be better. I'm going to find my balance if yeah. I'm busy. Yeah. Um, that is what I'm going to do this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm just so inspired by Leslie. Mm-hmm. Like, so inspired by her big, full life. Her... And she's so generous. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh, y'all. We didn't even talk about this, what she did for our getaway for us a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. She was just like, what do you need? What can I do to help? Who can I How connect, can I connect you, you with? Uh-huh. I mean, all in. Yeah. And, oh, my gosh, we appreciate that so much. Yeah. And now she's going to share a recipe with me, the chicken casserole. From Trisha. From Trisha Yearwood. From Trish. Trish. My friend Trish. <laughs> she's going to be my new BFF. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, um, yeah, that's what we do at State Southern. We just want to keep bringing people like Leslie to you guys. And so you get to hear, like, keep on keeping on, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Love it. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.